Warning, what you're about to hear is intended to make you laugh a lot, while also hearing some cool people talk about the cool shit they're doing. If you're easily offended or just can't take a joke, then you should turn this off right now. Otherwise, turn this shit up and hang on. Welcome to the Get Up. All right, all right. What's going on? My name is JP. Welcome to the Get Up Show. Just uh, hanging out this week. Remember to follow us on, let's see, Facebook at the Get Up Show Podcast. Uh, follow, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Music, Spotify, uh, pretty much everywhere. Check us out on Instagram at the Get Up Show. Are also on Twitter at the Get Up Show. And today, I'm joined uh, by a glass blower and a wire jewelry designer uh both interesting people that i met at a, a craft show recently and i just had to have them on because i some fascinating stuff and their artwork was really cool and go ahead and introduce yourself guys uh, how's it going this is justin from ari and jarek studios i'm the glass blowing half of this business i make all sorts of things from smoking pipes to accessories and jewelry uh, you can follow us at jarek underscore glass at instagram.com or ari wear at jewelry at instagram and uh, pass it on to you. Hello, my name is Nadia Oblova. I'm with uh, Ari Wear Jewelry, the half of the Ari and Jarek Studios that deals with specifically jewelry, wire-wrapped stuff, stones, and cool uh, collabs that we do together. Awesome, awesome. Like, so my first question right off the bat. Glass blowing is like one of those things that's like the secret trade, like you... You might know someone that does it, but like, how do they really get into that? And that's what I just got, I got to know. How the hell do you get into glass blowing? Like, that seems like one of those weird secret trades that, you know, only a few people learn how to do. Like, I watch these crazy crafter videos, like metal turning and stuff, and they're making all this crazy shit that, that not everybody knows how to do. And that's what I feel like glass blowing is. 90% of the way to get into this is through an apprenticeship. To get an apprenticeship, you often have to know somebody in, in the industry. It's very selective back in the past it was kind of an underground thing back when marijuana was highly illegal it was also illegal to carry paraphernalia on you thus you wouldn't really want your own personal name to be tied associated. to associated to the product as well so you kind of lived in underground you worked in your garage or a studio with a few like-minded fellows and you just got your product out there as best as you could without getting right. pinched so back in the past the 90s the early 2000s Glass started becoming a little more popular. People started getting more on the hype people with the crazy names like Coil and right. this and that. But back in the day, it was a lot harder to get in. Nowadays, you can kind of like look on Instagram, follow all these hype glass blowers, and you can say, hey, I live in your area. It would be cool to smoke with you and hang out, see what we can have made, yada, yada, That's yada. Gateway, I just right? kind of want to jump in and see what you do. <laughs> you hang out with them for a few weeks and eventually, hey, jump on my torch. I want to see what you can do. Well, then you get little excited and you jump in and you make this big piece of crap and you're super pumped about what you just Cause, made because you just made a piece of glass exactly it's like holy crap i've never manipulated this thing it's like magic what am i doing there's this giant flame in front of me but it's a lot easier to get into it now it's not as underground as it used to be people are starting to do it with their own straight names to it and 
you just have fun with it. It's great. So how long have you been been doing that? On and off for about seven years. I'll accentuate the on and off. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to get a, a steady glass blowing gig going because when you first start off, again, you're making poop. It's not easy, but right. you're going to be proud of what you make. To get into a point where you can actually sell at is, for most people, it's about a year in. That's like solid, hardcore work, but you're also doing it with a job behind you. Right. You're trying okay. to get in on the off hours and do what you can. To get really good at it, it's just pure grind. you got to sweat, keep, bleed, keep and be going. tedious with it. Holy crap, I failed over and over again, but I'm starting to get this great thing, product that I'm developing. And people are going to think it's garbage at first. They're going to try to lowball you, and you're going right. to be disappointed and Well, especially discouraged. if you're starting off, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's that you're not a no-name or... I'm assuming it's a pretty, you said selective, so it's a pretty tight-knit group of people mm-hmm. that blow, so I could see that, right? Like, you're a newcomer to the you're scene. like constantly being compared to these hype glass blowers in the magazines as well when you're just starting off, oh, because you're looking yeah. at these people, and they're pulling off these $1,000 rigs that are all beautiful, and they got these stripes that are straight lines, and you can see every little bit of detail, and then you look at what you just made, and it's kind of like a blob. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have thought yeah. of that. Or it's got some misshapenness to it. It doesn't quite look right. So you try to achieve that you try not to bite on other people's styles but you want to create something on your, all your own to create your own style so you, you right. can stand out within this industry and, and, that's and what people I, yeah. are going to start to like oh i know that piece where that came from that came from that Jared glass dude i've only seen him in a couple shops but he's starting to get more popular right. i'm starting to like this stuff oh i'm following him on instagram holy crap what did he just make i want that thing so it starts to build up on top of that but um you go you go you go you go and eventually you start building up a client list, you get wholesalers, you start doing these fairs, and you start beating people like you. And yeah. you start doing all this cool stuff like the podcasts. And right. Eventually your well, hype starts. Well, definitely and you start for, gaining more, coming on. more infamy. So thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And then, uh, so the, the, the jewelry, the wire jewelry, how long have you been doing all that? And, uh, yeah, just what's the whole story on it? Because it was, it was pretty interesting. It was cool. Uh, the different things that you're doing, the, the pop tabs, the, the monster energy tabs, those were pretty cool too. Go ahead. Well, that's what pretty much I started as the easy techniques, and I've started that about 14 years ago um, back in high school. I've started the metals class, and I really liked all the techniques. The studio that we were working with provided us with so many different... The table makes a lot of noise. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, you have the studio with all sorts of tools that you could possibly imagine having. And then you get out in the world and you don't have that studio anymore because you graduated from high school and the tools are so expensive. So you start picking and choosing, well, what can I afford and what can I do? And that's what attracted me to wire wrapping is all I really need is my three sets uh, of pliers and the materials I work with. Everything else could be done anywhere as long as I actually can sit down and spread my tools. And as you said, the pop tabs, that's Yeah, I mean, that was a, like a genius repurposing. It looked really cool. They looked cool. They matched the wires in my yeah. collection, and it just made sense to make them. And that's kind of how you start is those simple techniques is how do you connect the part A to part B and make a full product. But then you start finding more and more techniques. Sometimes you buy a book. Sometimes you find a little video on YouTube or a little tutorial on Facebook. And you just keep adding different styles, different techniques until you make something of your uh, art that's completely unique. 
So where where do you, do you get all the wire? Like, is there? Is I mean, I, there's obviously there's some kind of craft wire that you could get. Is that where what you're getting? And then can you get it like in different anodized colors and all that stuff? Because I think I've seen pieces like that before, right? So yeah. where where do you get all of the things that you incorporate in? The anodized uh, and enameled copper I usually get from Joann's and uh, Hobby Lobby, depending on what colors they are providing at the current moment. It's honestly like. Uh, collect them all Pokemon, you stop at six or eight different stores and eventually you have the complete rainbow. And then if you're trying to work with more um, expensive materials, per se sterling silver and gold, your best bet is to get an uh, in, uh, internet and go with Rio Grande as gotcha. they've you got gotta, it all. You gotta find the different sources. How how often do you work with those, like with the gold and the silver? And do those present like different? Because I mean, isn't silk gold is supposed to be real soft, right? So like, does it present different obstacles compared mm-hmm. to working with the other wires? When I started off, I started off with copper, and overall, there are certain things that you gotta watch out for. Us, uh, how many times you bend your wire before it can, before it's gonna snap on you. How can you bend it to actually be able to straighten out if you make a mistake? And that what was the fear with uh, switching over to sterling silver and gold is the metals are so much softer, so you would expect that they would break on you a lot sooner. But because they're softer, you can actually get away with, with a lot a little, more. A little more because they're not as brittle? Exactly. Wow, okay. You would think, yeah, I would think the opposite, right? It's gonna mm-hmm. break, you're gonna screw it up a lot easier. It seems like um, the harder the metal is, the harder it is to work with it because it's harder to bend, right? And it's easier to snap. And then the softer it gets, the more it actually wants to work with you and cooperate and bend in the ways that you want it to bend. Now, how what's the the price difference? Is like as far as like the materials, right? Because like you figure like the normal craft wire is gonna be what some kind of mixture of metal or something it's not like a straight just single one kind of metal but like the gold and the silver those ones i mean there's obviously going to be a price hike with the material like is it significant is it only just like a couple dollars because you're just talking about like strand like thin gold wire well copper by far is um the cheapest it's um comes with different styles of color but overall, it seems to be about the same price, no matter which color I get, if the copper is treated or not. Sterling silver seems to be uh, more of the medium expense. It's not that much more expensive than copper, but the prices that you can charge for it are because significantly it's, higher. Just because it's right. And then gold is a lot more expensive. Most of us tend to work with gold-filled wire for that particular uh, purpose. Really? So it's like it's a hollow core wire with gold in the inside. So it has like the, the oh okay. It has uh, copper on the inside and then the layer of gold over it. Gotcha. But it's a lot uh, thicker layer than the gold plated. So whereas okay. the gold plating can rub off or chip off, the gold filled wire will continue on being as shiny as it is even after years of wear. Gotcha. Now does it does it share the the same like ease of use? as gold wire would because it's softer or does it kind of still act like a copper wire 
Like where you have to worry about breaking it. And sorry, I just moved all of this from over here last night because I eventually plan on like maybe building a room right here. And so I'm not used to the sound and it's driving me nuts because <laughs> I, I can too, feel so. like the, the, the echo that I don't normally have. So it's driving me absolutely crazy. Sorry. So that's why I keep like fucking fidgeting over here. Um, but is that is that gold? Because I didn't even know that they really made that kind of stuff. Is that uh, is it like working with gold wire? Or is it more like working with the copper wire? It's more like working with the gold uh, really? wire itself, but it does have a little more sturdiness to it than the actual gold would. So it's kind of like a best of both worlds, almost. Definitely, and you also gotta watch out for uh, the softness of the material, because you will have uh, per se sterling silver dead soft, which will be a lot softer. And then you have the hard, or one half hard, which will be hard, harder to work with, but it will retain its shape a lot better as well. So it's picking and choosing what exactly you want to do with it and how much mobility you want out of your wire during the process of making your piece. Have you guys always been like this creative, like hands-on, having to make stuff? Because, I mean, it's... it's it's time consuming, right? Like yeah. it's it's got to be something that you're dedicated to, right? <laughs> but like, at what point did it get there? Like, was it were you always just creative, growing yeah. up and everything, or was it just kind Honestly, of like yeah. a oh shit, this just got, caught me? Or no, I've always kind of had like an innate fascination with glass blowers since I was a little kid. But overall, once I got the opportunity to get in, I jumped into it. But I mean, one way or another, I've always been tinkering with something or other. I mean, whether it just be crayon, some wood, or metal, but. Having found glass, it's the closest thing to magic I can find. So, <laughs> so like, I'm a big nerd. So, and you comes said down to your it. tools were just like pliers, right? Yep. So, what what does it take to glass blow? Insanity. <laughs> I know there's a, a heat source. So, like every time I think of glass blowing, I'm thinking of like the big oven where they're sticking it in there and they're spinning it and they're pulling it out and they're shaping it and then they're putting it back in there and a big like furnace thing. That's that's the, the extreme side of glass blowing. That's and I've also glass. seen like the like where they got like a little torch right here they're doing that's it. what i do okay yep that's the difference between most glasses people don't understand that is um there's mainly two different kinds that we run with nowadays one we call soft glass it works in the 100 or 95 to 107 coe coefficient of expansion and <laughs> yep. oh we can get fun with these we can get fun with these words and what i work with is borosilicate and that's in the 33 level of uh, coefficient of okay. coefficient of expansion which means it's a far more rigid and hard glass it doesn't break as okay. easily you can make a much more durable piece out of borosilicate gotcha but um, is it harder to work with though because of that uh, yes and no, because the innate way you have to work it with soft glass on the 100 scale, you're working with those big furnaces and the glory holes and those big long lead pipes that you see. Did you really just call, is that what they call it a glory yeah, hole? Yeah, glory That's hole. Just... Yeah. They call it the glory <laughs> hole. <laughs> giggity, giggity. So, <laughs> so what they do is, yeah, they take these big glory holes, they have a big gigantic oh rod, they penetrate the glory hole with it, and they yeah, spin obviously. it around inside, get a big hot gather inside the hole, they pull it back out, they start blowing deeply into it. Yeah, you can get real fucking nasty at glass blowing. So again, if you aren't ready for some uh, explicit stuff, turn the shit off. <laughs> so uh, yeah, with the, the, the big glass blowing, they do the furnaces, they do the, the poles, and that, that's the big vases and the big right, flower right. pots you see. What I do is on the torch stuff, I do real small, detailed, minimal work where you have a torch in front of you that can, I mean, those torches, they aren't a joke. There's ones that can do just a little itty bitty one inch high flame. The one I have, I mean, I can belt out a flame that's as long as my arm from the shoulder. Oh, geez. So it's huge. 
I mean, it, it get crazy. But you often heat the glass up. It starts becoming malleable within 700 to 1,000 degrees. And it's a, it's a very low Where temperature. Where do you do all this? Are you, you're my not garage. doing this. Okay. I'm doing this in my garage. I was just making sure it wasn't like in the basement or something. No, that's, you can. But you have to have it well ventilated. Yeah. That's the danger is you're dealing with fumes. There are people right. who do this out of their cars. Yeah, there's S10 Tommy. He's a Michigan legend. He runs a fucking S10 Chevy truck. And he blows glass out of those little fucking flip-down seats. It's <laughs> it is scary. Wow. But uh, you can do it. But the thing is, the way I work out of my garage, I've got a small little box kiln. It's got about 10 inch by 10 inch inside hole inside there where I keep all my glass at 1050. And it all sits nice and happy at about 1050 degrees. So it's, you keep it just under yeah, like, right the malleable. At, right at the malleable point where it's not going to fucking melt in there. Right. It's not going to But it's going to be change. soft. It's still going to be soft. It can be manipulated if you push it just hard enough. Now, is that, but, a, is that a common technique to... To do that, have everybody. It, have it. It's, it's your kneeling process. Usually, you want to take it from 1050 down to room temperature over the course of about four to eight hours. Uh, the each kiln has its kind of own programmable setting where you can kind of slowly tick down temperature as it goes down throughout the night. But um, where was I going with this? The, uh, <laughs> the torches, though. The torches. The way we, where we begin to actually work the glass, it starts to become pullable and bendable at 1200 degrees. It becomes fully melted at about 1600 degrees, and we do most of our blowing done at about 1800 to 2000 degrees. Now, some of these pieces you're looking at on here, the ones with the larger caps on the Facebook page and all that, those really big caps, we can even take some photos later, those have to be tilted way above my head. And I'm spinning them, I'm blowing what? little puffs of glass into there, and I've got this 2,000 degree piece of glass hanging above me, and the whole time I'm praying that it doesn't snap off the blow tube or what have what? you, and fall onto my face. It's just part of the thing that attracts me to this, because it's so fucking dangerous. If you don't keep everything in check just right, you can seriously hurt yourself, you can blow yourself up. There's a guy just the other day, he kept a, a liquid oxygen tank inside of his garage. Well, that thing decided to vent overnight and uh, build up no. a bunch of pressure within there. So in the morning, a guy walks in, goes to light his bong and take a rip, and all the concentrated pressure within his yeah. garage suddenly catches that flame. He's got pure oxygen in the air. All of a sudden, cob blue. And we've been looking at photos of this guy over the past couple of days on Facebook as his skin on his face is just swollen and peeling, and oh, man, it's a mess. That's horrible. So, I mean, I've seen some horrible things with glass blowing. There's a guy I know who's had a bong. He cut his foot while he was blowing glass. He ignored it because he's got this $1,500 piece on his blow tube. He does not want to lose it because he spent the entire damn day on it. So he's bleeding out of his foot, doesn't really think much of it. He's still working on his piece, and next thing he knows, he just passes out. As he passes out, his body locks up, arms crossed with a hot bong in his hand, and he passes out backwards in his chair. After he wakes up, he finds this fucking bong has fused to his chest, and he has to get it surgically removed off of his body. So, yeah, there's some pretty crazy stuff that can go down with glass blowing. But when you look at the stuff that we can make, it's absolutely gorgeous. So on the inverse of things... It really morbid really fast. It did, it did. But on the inverse of things, it's kind of upsetting to see people get all these pipes for $10, $15, a little dinky-do import pieces, and then you just kind of don't even think about what actually goes into this product and these craft and what these people sacrifice and bleed and sweat and actually die over sometimes. And it's just, it's an amazing craft. It really is. Dangerous, lovable, 
closest thing to magic you can get. It's so much well, fun. It, it always has been, to me, pretty like, holy crap, how do they even do that? I mean, the fact that you're blowing into the glass to make it shape, or they'll take, like, a piece, the long, like, glass sticks, and they'll, like, mm-hmm. touch it and start melting it and then mm-hmm. shaping it and stuff. And Everything it, it, it I do starts pretty... off as either a rod or a tube. Which yeah. is crazy. Or I take that rod and I turn that rod into a tube. Right. There's all sorts of different ways to work it. There's a billion different ways to shape and change now, the lines in the direction of patterns. So, like, like one hit or, or bats or whatever you want to call them. How long would it take you for like one of these pieces? Uh, say like the ones we're looking at on yeah. Facebook right now, probably about 20-25 minutes. It's called an really? inside out piece. You basically start off with a big cup. You widen it as far as you can. You take some silver or gold. You melt it within your flame. Catch it in the cup. Get a nice you know, smattering of this fume. <laughs> catch it in the cup? Literally, you're catching gas within this cup and it really? paints itself And that's the, what the, 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 it, it the colors and the, the glass stripes and via the heat. It starts to bond with it. Then you got to bake it into the glass. So you got a layer of gold or a layer of silver within your glass. You then take another clear rod or a striking color, and you start layering in between okay. the cup, the silver or the gold, and then glass rod. You're, and you're doing like all these hand motions and everything. It's, it's I, I wish I could <laughs> I know, show translate me. show people. Yeah. This is how I do. I'm a really motionable, it's cool. danceable figure. To watch me work, I'm dancing the whole time. So you take a clear rod and you sandwich it between the the glass cup and the silver layer, and you create these little pockets of color. And you can manipulate your rod and this and that to create different patterns. And once you melt that all in, you create these little waves and zigzags, and the colors start to show more and more and more, and you can get some really unique effects to it. Throughout the years, I've owned some interesting pieces, and I always wondered, like, how the hell did someone make this? You know, you wonder if it's a real person or if they're just, like, they're just... Oh, well, we're all real, buddy. We're all real. <laughs> there are some things that are machined, but there's some things you just simply cannot do with a machine when it comes to glass blowing. That's where the human element will always so, be here. So I know, like, uh, I'm going to go back, like, 15 years here. Like, color changing. I remember, like, going into shops, and you'd be like, oh, color changing. You know, it changes once the the smoke or the, the whatever that's in the smoke is adhering to the inside of the glass. And it would kind of, not necessarily super color changing, but it would be, like, a really faint blue that now is a rich blue because mm-hmm. of that and stuff. Like, what is it that causes those color changes? Is it that gold and silver? That's Correct. what I'd always heard. Correct. It is exactly that. It is the silver and the gold. And what you're doing is, as you notice with those pieces, if you were to take those off that black mat, hold them up to the sun, and they'd look almost damn transparent. You aren't going to see the colors in there as much. So as you're smoking out of it, the resin's going to leave a dark background right, on your right. piece. So then it makes, and it makes a nice contrast layer to bring all those colors out. Gotcha. And that's what kind of makes it the pseudo-color-changing effect. But you can thank Bob Snodgrass for creating that by accidentally having a little bit of gold and silver on his piece of shit, and then some guy discovering, holy crap, this piece is changing really? color. Then it just became an industry norm, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was such a badass dude. He shared his knowledge with everybody in the time that he knew, and it just kind of became a next new industry thing. Now, all the different colors aren't all from uh, silver and gold, right? Like There's all the a handful of different things in there from cadmium to manganese, but the primary ones are silver and gold. We get the most range of effects off of there. Really? Some, some of the rods we use are imbued with it, pre-loaded in there. Like, if you were to take, say, okay. a bright orange or bright yellow rod, that's almost all cadmium within there that's striking in that. It creates that brilliant, opaque look. A lot of the other colors I work with are transparent, so it's basically a clear that is imbued with a gold or a silver within it that then strikes out as you apply different heat levels to it. You can kind of encourage those gold and silver crystals to come to the surface of the glass and create different levels of vibrancy within it. It's literally magic. <laughs> and, like, and like adding the color, like the that's just different colored rods. Yeah. Now, is that again just, effects just a different 
element that's in the glass, basically, mm-hmm. that's causing that white or that blue or something. Yeah, some of them are even just different levels of saturation of the gold and silver within really? them. Really? Yeah, there's like so Silver Strike 1 through anything. 5. If you were to take Silver Strike 1, it's going to be a really soft blue. But if you take Silver Strike 5, it's going to be dark midnight striking. It's not going to be as bright and colorful and playful as number 1, but you're going to still get different effects. And if you play them together, holy crap, you're not playing with a whole different realm of things to do. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see all the different patterns and and seeing like where it looks like it's a thick glass, but then there's stuff going on in between the layers. Like, is that just all blowing air in or spinning or like what? The only reason we blow air into it is to actually maintain expand the it. shape and expand it in certain points. It just comes down to the shaping. Everything else comes down to uh, keeping everything even, which is where the blowing comes into. But you want to keep it even, and you want to keep everything just flowing just right. So different thicknesses of glass. I mean, whether it's thin or thick, it makes a difference to it in the long run. But For like a, a normal bowl like, or pipe, how long does that take usually? Like uh, those little ones are like 20 minutes, you said? Yeah, about 15, 20 yeah. minutes, yeah. So you can you can bust out a, a decent amount pretty mm-hmm. quickly. The average piece I work on nowadays just takes me about 45 minutes to an hour, but, I mean, they're jam-packed full of stuff. I mean, I, and, and are they pipes like this, or are those like more bongs and stuff like that? Uh, I still mostly stick with dry pipes. There's a few pieces of equipment I'm still missing because it goes back into the whole, uh, you need a little bit of insanity to start glass blowing as well because of just how fucking expensive it can get. I mean, just the starter kit, you're going to be expecting to drop 1500 to $2,000 just to get started. Gotcha. I mean, you're gonna, if you're buying a brand new kiln, that's going to be 1000 bucks. If you're going to buy it, wow. if you're going to buy it used, maybe 400 to 500 maybe 800 bucks. if you're going to get a cheap one. The one I got is like about 800 bucks, and it works me great, but I'm ready for an upgrade. I need something bigger. Um, the torch. You definitely uh, get creative. Again, I got my torch for a used price. It's probably 50 years old. That thing is hella old, but it is the most true and lovable torch. It is cranky, but it fucking rocks. And I got that for about 750 bucks. If you were to get it new, it's about 1500 Oh, you made some sweet swords. price of glass, on the other hand, that can go anywhere from $0.10 cents a pound for like clear glass to about 150 for a pound for really? some of these really high-end, sparkly, bright, vibrant colors. If it's brand new and it's got some rare earth elements within it, you, wow. can, you can expect to... Shell out a pretty penny See, before you've even worked it. You've dumped 150 bucks into that piece. And then if you fuck it up, and then if you fuck it up, <laughs> yeah. That's so again. It comes into the whole level of gambling and insanity of glass blowing. Like, wow. okay, you got to hedge your bet. Okay, I'm gonna put 150 bucks into this piece. Hope that it works. And at the end of it, I might be able to sell it for 400 bucks. But wow, you've also again, like I said, you got to take each little every tiny tiny step along your journey to make sure that once you get that, that grand piece. You can make it without fucking it up. Because right. even after you've pulled that piece off, it's still got to sit through the kiln. It's still got to make it through the whole... And you said the kiln... Annealing process... Incrementally... Decreases, decreases the temperature the temperature over time. to harden it up. So yep. it's not like a, too rapid. Yep, exactly. If it's too if, rapid, what if, does that make it shocks the glass. Because think of the surface of the glass as a smooth, freshly cut field of grass. And you like it to be... It wants to be nice and even. Now, when you start getting all those little hairs and weeds popping up and this and that, it kind of doesn't look right. Glass feels the same way when its molecular structure isn't smooth. It wants to be bonded, nice and even, thick, even, everything. So when you have different levels of seals where the one level side of the glass is thicker than the other, you've got a stress point on there. And from that stress point, even though it looks kind of clean from your view, the glass doesn't feel fucking 
nice at all. So while you're sitting it in the kiln and you're working on your next piece and it's sitting there at a thousand degrees and you're happily working away and away and away and all of a sudden you hear ding, just a little itty bitty thing. It's, you can always hear it almost no matter where you are. It is so subtle and quiet, but you just know that your dreams have been shattered. Because <laughs> that son of a bitch, when that's you open the up the kiln though? door, you're going to find a piece of your glass is sitting there just, yeah, that's the death Because it popped off, huh? Something pop, Damn. and you got to go back and either fix it, or if you come back in the morning and you're looking for your piece to be all nice and tidy and ready, and you're looking at it like, fuck, here I go, I got to do this all over again, or I got to start over again. And it's just, jeez. Yeah, then you look and you go back and you think, okay, I just put eight hours into the son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, and I've also got 150 bucks in materials into the son of a bitch. How do I recycle this? <laughs> just wow. Now, hopefully that's not like a. It's something, something you get over that happens with. often. Not anymore for me, no. But Does the first year glass with, blowers with is going to be a big deal, and it's something that you learn to get over really quick. You just kind of like, well, that happened. Move on to the next thing. We got to keep going. Sometimes Damn. you can look at that piece a month later and be like, oh, well, here's a new technique I learned recently. I can probably take that pattern and cut it off of that one, and oh, that's going to look nice on what I'm working on right now. I'm going to go stick that in the kiln, heat it up. I'm going to rip this bullshit off of it, and I'm going to weld it onto my new piece. And <laughs> hey, look at that. I got something new that nobody's ever fucking done out of a recycled piece. This is cool. Right. Now for you, and I'm obviously assuming the, the couple right together, uh, how do you feel about all that nonsense? <laughs> Oh, as far as like is the, the danger okay, aspect this way. and all that, I'll put it this way: the past month we've had a transformer on our power on the power pole in our yard blow three times. So you know when those explode, they make a really loud yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah. Well, every time one of those exploded, she she'd come running you. out of the house thinking it was me. <laughs> you By the third time, I'm just dropping shit and I'm storming out of the garage like. Is it a detached garage? Yes. Okay. <laughs> You so the house is kind of safe. You run out there, shoes, no shoes, whatever you're wearing, because if something did happen in the studio, I need to dial that 911 <laughs> right away. I don't have time for shoes. Yep, those, those, those kind of booms seriously worry my girlfriend, but... Wow, yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy to, to have that passion and, and an do something. Something completely changed. <laughs> so for you, how how long does it take for the, a normal piece? So like, I was looking on the Facebook, I saw something like, cool earrings but some of the the more extravagant pieces that you had at the show that i saw you guys or met you at how long does something like that take you i mean that's gotta look i tried to bend a wire the other day now granted i don't know what kind of wire it was but i tried to like coil it and, and it turned out like shit so how long does that normally take it usually takes, um, honestly, it's all about what piece you're going to make and how much work you're going to put it to, into it. I tend to stick to pieces that are about an hour to four hours of work, but sometimes you have pieces that take you 16, 18 hours, and sometimes you have an easy pieces, um, like the ones I sell for 3 to $5, that only take you about five minutes to complete. It honestly all depends of how much detail you want to put into it. Gotcha. So, what do you find yourself doing the most of? Like the the, the, the ones that are quick and a little bit cheaper, or the ones that are a little more elaborate and that you charge a higher price for? The most of the what I uh, work on are artistic pieces that I try to... Um, entice people into even looking at my page with um but sometimes you do have to kind of go back and um sorry i'm, <laughs> I'm trying to type i'm complicating instagram. things yeah i'm trying to type instagram and it's doing insta instagram 
I mean, the faster the better. <laughs> I mean, that might be the next big thing. Right. Uh, I even no, lost where we were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, no problem. I just wanted to... Let's enjoy a podcast. It's kind of... Oops, yeah. free flows. <laughs> Oops, we're on this now. All right. I got to move this to the small monitor so I can see what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, I was just trying to look up your, your Instagram page so we can see more of your... That's where we keep most of our recent work is on the is Instagram. That what it's, it's the most popular platform for the artistic community at the moment as far as we know. And we tend to get most of our traffic through that. So we tend to post all of our uh, newest and hottest, latest, and brightest pieces on Instagrams. And Instagram has really picked up as as a, a platform for for people. Like a lot more people have uh, an it, Instagram over. It's, it's the difference. Like where Facebook has got the more personal, nosy. You can find out anything you want about somebody. The Instagram is more of a portfolio. It's kind of a thing that works better for an artist. Like here's what I got. This is what I'm about. If you like what I got, you can send me a message, and we can go from there. Right. But beyond that, you're not really going to be able to bother me with your boogers because. Uh, <laughs> I don't want you stalking me on Facebook, so here's my Instagram. It's just here's my portfolio. Yeah, I like the, the like how you're doing all these like stars and everything. That's crazy. And I really liked the pieces that you guys did together. Like I'm assuming because there was glass in them mm-hmm. that it was you know you guys pairing the two things together to create one piece was really cool. Yeah. The, oh, the keys. I really like the keys that you did too. The keys have been a pretty popular um, product. Now, they, they like, how long would so... that take? Um, that piece over there took me about three hours. Um, it's not so much of the techniques that are hard in it, but the setting of the stone, as the stone itself is about a little under a centimeter uh, in diameter. So it's really tiny, it's hard to hold with fingers, and it's even harder to confine it within the wire. To where I don't use glue, so I literally have to use all of the tension that I can so the on the is wire truly holding it there. to mm-hmm. hold the piece in. No glue. Wow. That is one hard rule we follow. No glue. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking well, cheaters, man. I would not want to be smoking glue. Exactly. <laughs> And it goes back to what I was talking to you outside with the whole fucking Chinese bong and the fucking vinyl colors they bake onto these things that then flake so, yeah, off so, and people so talk about that. Some of the problems with, with <laughs> obtaining the materials that you guys use, like you were specifically talking about the, the glass and if there's anything else that like any obstacles that you guys come across. So you were talking about the, the cheaper glass pieces being in stores but also waves and waves of imports people can go to a import dealer like say eight miles they can go in there and they can buy with a hundred bucks and they can walk out with almost a hundred fucking pieces they go throw into their store whereas you approach me you're gonna maybe walk away with three because my wholesale level is honestly a thousand fold of what they're selling them for but my also level of work and guarantee that these pieces aren't gonna break is that much greater as well the general thing with imports is you can look at one of these little pipes, and the way you judge if it's an import or not is you look inside of the bowl, and you look at the teeny tiny little hole inside of the bowl. And with an import pipe, it's almost guaranteed to be kind of hairy looking. There's tool marks on it, like it's been drilled with drilled. a Dremel. Yep. So that's because and of the that rule be that a scary, pipe cannot right? come into the United States with a carburetor or a hole within it. It can't be a smoking pipe as it comes in the States. Really? So what they do is they have some guy sit there at the docks with those containers, and they just fucking hand him box after box after box of these half-finished pipes. He sits there with a Dremel and just... Yeep, yeep, really? All fucking day. So they have to be closed when they come. Yep. And I think I just... That's where... I almost moved it closer and it sounds better to me a little bit. Well, that's where every single... <laughs> the problem with every import is, is that they will all 
break eventually. Because That's crazy. Because they punched a hole through the glass, whereas right, right. the way I do it, I do it with my flame. It's a clean, sealed hole where it's, it's popped by well, fire. I mean, obviously drilling into something is going to cause mm-hmm. minute little fractures mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Wow. So when you, you think about smoking, that. you're putting your product in there, and then you're igniting it. You're then writing a cherry within it, so you're baking it in there as well. Right. So you're adding a heat stress to it. And you've got those innate crack stresses you just mentioned. Well, that's going to start expanding them. So now, can, so, it, can it come to the country with one hole? It can come with one hole well, within so, it. It can either have a carburetor <clears throat> or a mouthpiece on it. Sometimes it can come up with both. But it can't have a third hole in it where it becomes a full right. smoking pipe. That's the trinity there. You need three holes to become right, a smoking yeah. pipe. But, wow. Um, well, you, I mean, you can have, a, I'll say, a one-hitter where it's just a straight tube. Okay, you right. put your duber in there, a simple pack. But those are, again, same rule. Just drill a fucking hole through there but they're at the same time they're so much easier to manufacture here just a quick little stick it in the flame condense it and pop up and on to the next one it takes seconds to make one wow those little simple og tubes you see in yeah. every smoke shop seconds but, really uh, yep so you just bust through those huh mm-hmm. if you have a lathe which is a fifteen thousand dollar minimum piece of equipment you can have an entire tube five foot length run through your chuck and you can just go through the motions and take your torch psh, heat it next butt three inches over psh, heat it go three inches over Eat it, do it, and just continue with the knees. Take a wet saw and zip, 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 zip. In five minutes, you've got fucking 30 of these things done. Wow. Yeah. So there's, it's, it, but at the same time, you're looking to sell those things for a dollar. Right. Yeah. You're not looking for mm-hmm. a huge profit on it. There's nothing artistic. It's just a simple, okay, well, here's your piece. You smoke it at a festival, throw it away when you're done, and it's disposable. Right. But well, I'm more on the artistic side of things. I try to express myself through grad class. You've you got some crazy looking pieces too, like some alien looking shit and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can even bring some of the latest and greatest in with me later on. We can take some photos of them if oh, you want okay. to take care of them. But, All right. Because uh, I don't even post these ones half the time. I'm so bad about posting on Instagram. Look, I, I am too. And like, I, I have guests over and then I always forget to take a photo. So then it's like, I'm just putting my logo up for the image for the episode. <laughs> or like, for one of them, I, they each had their own kind of logo. So I merged them with mine or stuff like that. It's like so i always try to make sure i get a, a get a photo because that's part of the business right like the using the social media to mm-hmm. branding to help yeah i mean it's 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 completely changed the way things are done i mean before you would have got your name out purely in stores right mm-hmm. so like only reaching that local market level of people whereas now you can post to instagram and then anybody that follows like a hashtag that you throw up or Think something yeah, can come across your pieces. we didn't have myspace facebook and instagram so yeah glass blowing was way more underground as i mentioned earlier it was a lot harder to get your product out so if you had a serious collector they already knew who you were they sought out your pieces and they bought them and if you were lucky enough to have a store carry your products, well, then you did. But uh, that would left a lot of dinky-do glass yeah. blowers out of business. But nowadays, like I said, it's a lot easier to connect with other glass blowers. You can become one a lot easier yourself. My, my particular story was I started off with a head shop. You know, we kind of stumbled into the industry that way. My mother's a medical marijuana patient. She needed to invest some money. We invested into a head shop. One thing happens to another. Next thing you know, we own the head shop. We run that for the next four years, and I start meeting all the local glass blowers within the area. They hang out with me, I hang out with them, I play on their equipment, and next thing I know, I'm buying all my own equipment. And I'm getting into <laughs> right. this industry myself, and I'm getting bored with the head shop, and eventually I close that head shop and just go full on into glass blowing. So, 
I'm kind of gone on and off with it back and forth through there. Again. Like you said, the, over I've the had, seven years. I've had several studios with multiple people. I've worked with other people, but over the years, I've also found that I don't really play well with others. I like to work by myself. It's just just my do best. your own thing. And we do my own thing. My glass comes out a lot better when I don't have other people. This and that. Do this. Do that. Do that. Bah, 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 bah. I want it this way. Well, no, I'm just gonna do it my way, and it turns out great. And yeah, I'm gonna do some more collabs with people. I've been working with another guy, finally kind of sticking my head out of the dirt. I'm like, hey, you wanna come play? We're real close to each other. <laughs> yada yada yada. I'm a little lonely over here, but let's go. So we make some cool shit, but <sighs> And for you, this like the stones, like I'm looking at this one is awesome. The three leaf clover with like hearts, and you got all those little stones in there, and you talked about like the the tension, no glue. We talked about the using the tension and no glue. So, like, how how is that? Is that I mean, is that tough to keep all those little stones in there? Uh, those little stones have a little hole through them. Oh, so that sneaky, that is sneaky. easy, easy. Okay, it's sneaky. the ones that don't have holes or any grooves that are a lot harder to keep in because there's nothing to grab onto. There is no that little hole to put your wire through. There is no groove to tighten the wire around. It's just your techniques and what you can do with it. No, these ones are cool too. And one of the crazy things of what you do is like you're working on such a small scale. Like your pictures, you know, it's obviously a close up and those are actually way smaller. So do you do you use like a magnifying glass or anything when you're doing all this? Or are you just, ah, just sitting there watching TV, just making stuff? Or how does that, how's that process go for you? No magnifying glass. Luckily, I have pretty good eyesight so far. So working with just my eyes, good lighting really helps. That way you can see the shadows and the light in between your wire. You can see if your wire is laying straight or if it has a little divot and now you got a little crack in between. Um, another thing that really helps is uh, kind of muscle memory, I guess you call it. Some pieces that I make, um, when you, I make the shape, I'm constantly looking at it. But when I start wrapping around the base, around the shape. A lot of it is muscle memory and I don't even look. Sometimes I'll be sitting in front of the TV watching the TV show while my hands are and just, you're just doing, doing their it. own like, thing. Like someone knitting or something. Pretty much. Okay. It all depends on the technique and how much detail you need to be paying attention to. Now, now like, how many, like, solid techniques are there? Because, like, I'm looking at these keys, and, like, I see some that are, like, like, you got this cool one, and I'm going to step away from the mic a little bit for a second. But, like, you got, like, the, the zigzag, and then you got, like, this one filled with the red, which, I mean, clear, it looks like it's just straight up the middle. But then all of these designs, like, in the, the key, the, the head of the key, if you will, whatever, like, the part that you hold on to, like, those all have some kind of intricate design, whether there's one with a heart and then there's the crazy rings and like all kinds of how how do you do that <laughs> like is that all different techniques or do you have to like go okay how do i make this shape or do you already just know how to do those things in a way it's all the same um at least the ones you're looking at it's all the same technique it's just a different variation of how many bases do i wrap around um how many reps I do before I switch up to a different, you know, amount of bases. And in all honesty, the more base wires you have, the more out of this world with the possibilities you can get to. Because you can see even in the four base that I have in front of you, there is that many variations. Now I was working on a piece last night that had six bases. 
So now I have two extra wires to play with to switch up variations of where I put it, how far I stretch that wire, and, and your possibilities are And endless. you're clearly working in different diameters too, because I saw it looking closer, I can see like the thicker one and then you're wrapping with the thinner one. So the thicker one being the base, which, what, which one would you consider as the base for? Uh, yeah, the base would be the thicker wire, the one that holds the shape, and then the smaller wire is usually called the wrapping wire. And that's the one with which you create the design that keeps the base together. Gotcha. And it's, it's so cool. But the thickness of the wire does not, should not really limit. <laughs> it's okay. I Popularity. Think I, I think I forgot to turn mine off earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the thickness of the wire should not affect um, whether it's the base or the wrapping wire, because I have done pieces where my base was exactly the same thickness as my wrapping wire. It's a lot harder to achieve. You gotta have a lot more hand stability, but the possibility is still there. Okay. No, it, I mean, it's so crazy just to see. And like, I never saw anyone do the key. I've seen a couple of different like wire jewelries and uh, stuff, but it's it's really neat to see the, the designs that you were doing. The ones that look like uh, um, dream catchers were really cool. And I think that was some of the ones that I saw that you guys had mixed kind of together were some of those more elaborate dream catcher ones, like this arm bracelet thing. That's, yeah, it's really sweet. And like, and I mean, something like that, like, is that something that's super time consuming? Uh, especially with all those wraps, right? Like, because you're, you're wrapping it tight. You're not like, like those got to be tight right next to each other, spirals. And yep. <sighs> very tight. You got to be very precise because if you don't pull your wire that every single loop, you'll have little um, instabilities where the loops around are different diameter and they almost stand out like different blades of grass. Yeah, that, you can see like a little bit of that there where it's like raised up a little bit like creates texture exactly no that's it's so cool no sometimes uh you can use that as a technique itself is um like that one looks sick oh yeah, that's right you had crystals in some of them too mm -hmm. forgot like that's that's so cool looking it's even got an ammonite fossil in the center there yeah that's that's crazy a prehistoric yeah, uh, that sea piece creature is <laughs> by far the most complex piece i've worked on and overall it took me about a year to put together really? Not, wow. not exactly time-wise, but just acquiring the techniques necessary to combine to all to of it. it together and bring yeah, it together. That's, that's a beautiful how thing. How do I bring it together? Right. No, that thing's beautiful. Because if I, to pull this thing apart, there's probably going to be about 30 to 40 different pieces that I had to make separately, separately and then, and combine, then them combine together. Wow. Now, how much... Does that piece run for? Like, how much do you sell something like that for? That piece, I honestly, because of the time I've spent and the amount of different things I had to learn, I could not put a price on. <laughs> on top of it, it's made out of gold, fill wire, sterling, silver, and so many different crystals that this is the one I actually decided to raffle away. Oh, okay, that's why I know that raffle, all right. I have uh, 30 spots for this mm -hmm. piece. Each spot is $20, and at the end of it all, the winner takes all for $20, but I get 600 that is to make up for the time and the materials spent on creating this piece. Jeez, wow, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's just crazy that it, like, the amount of work and the detail is what's crazy there, too. Holy cow. Wow. Yes. So, so for both of you, like obviously with glass blowing, we know where we, you can sell your stuff. 
where i mean where does most of your guys' sales come from does it come from the the etsy or does it come from stores do you carry is there anywhere that someone can physically go see your jewelry at because i mean obviously if you're in stores somewhere someone can go see your work or be like oh hey there's that that jared glass how what's your guys' strategy for for doing all that selling all your pieces like what's currently your... we're mostly within the wholesale market selling to shops okay but um we do are starting to get our gear back into the festivals again this is our finally finished our first full year of losing the jobs with the man so we're fully independent <laughs> doing our jewelry and our okay, surviving okay. off of it managed to make a full year off of it but it took the full year to establish a good wholesale client list of people who will consistently buy from us and we're trying to schedule as many uh, fairs and individual little get-togethers where we can get as many people as possible to contact with us to do all the networking and see and expose themselves to our work and buy it and yeah. As a jeweler, it's a little bit harder to get yourself out in the store because most of the stores who do want to carry your product, they want to get it on consignment. And right. when you're constantly renewing your inventory, when your pieces don't sit in your box for more than two or three months at the most, doing a consignment it's is pretty much insane because you end up... You end up having 40 different stores between whom you go back and forth and eventually you have to draw a line. Either you work with just a few consignment stores and you take that gamble of putting up a piece in their store for a month or two where you know you might be able to sell it a lot faster. Right. But at the same time they might be able to sell it for a little bit more versus you being able to only sell it wholesale and have to take a cut on that so it's always a gamble it's always trying to figure out exactly what are the capabilities of each individual piece is uh, or are but I did notice the fact that whereas with his glass we do majority of the wholesale uh, sales with him my jewelry is uh, the main sales are festivals and fairs festivals. where people can look at every single piece and connect right. with the one that makes more sense to them. Now, do you do you get into the same stores that you go to? Like you're able to? So sometimes, not every single one's going to want to pick her up, unfortunately, because a lot of them don't carry jewelry. Some right. of them do, but they haven't carried wire wrapped jewelry. Right. They're unsure of how it's going to go in this store. That's why they try to throw the consignment thing at gotcha. us. And if you kind of go poo poo to that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know how it goes. But wow. there's also stores that do purchase from me and do not purchase from Justin, oh, yeah. and it's. Honestly, it's your research, which stores you go to, and once again, your capabilities for your product. Are they going to do well at the store you're looking at, or is it even worth going there to right. begin with? So, like, so like what my girlfriend does, she got it. She makes leather earrings too. Like, she cuts out the leather and all that stuff. Where you uh, get the vinyl cutter and all that stuff, and she does T-shirts and she, like I said, the pot heads and all the stuff that she makes. And one of the things she did is at the craft mall. If, it's like so much a month for the space. You can put all your stuff mm -hmm. in there, and then you they give you tags, and you tag everything. So then you don't even have to be there to sell it. If someone comes and they like it, they just take it to the counter, and then they get, and then they buy it, and then you can check your account. And they cut you a check every two weeks, whatever. Uh, so that I mean that's one way. Like she tries to get her stuff out there where she doesn't have to be present for it too, right? And that. but but then it's also there's not the the cut's not too bad actually it's, it's it's actually not too bad it's it's insane how some of these bigger booths there are in business because like how much we pay for the one spot that she has and that's 
her stuff's a little edgier and it's an antique kind of craft mall there's some other craft stuff like some people make some other jewelry or they sell these little yeah. clay things they make but uh there's some huge ones that it's like i don't who's buying that stuff but they're there it's crazy but it, it's kind of cool because it's like hands off you don't have to be there you know she just goes and switches stuff around you know fills inventory when something sells all that kind of stuff so it's uh, there's so many different avenues and that's why it, it's it's a good you, have way you thought about started. doing something like that? Doing something like that instead of having the consignment issue yeah. where you can create your own space? Or uh, With the consignment, it's always different. Some store owners want to just get your product and they'll display it. They'll set it up. The cut also varies store to store. There are certain stores where you can, as you say, rent a space or a yeah. shelf. Or well, yeah, sometimes they'll do the shelves and stuff too, yeah. But once again, it's... If you have two or three of those stores, it's constantly ha- making enough to stock those stores. Cover and at the, the, at the same right. time, going back and forth. And they're going to want lo- those lower prices to put it in there to begin with. Mm-hmm. But it's a good way to get noticed and get your name out there. Right. But eventually, once you start picking up customers, we all stop doing it and we sort yeah. of branch off on our own. So now doing the. the, the circuit again the the craft shows and stuff what do you guys have coming up like so i met you guys at the davisburg antiques festival so mm-hmm. it wasn't really conductive as much to like what you guys had right like you obviously stood out because there was so many stands that were the same exact thing over and over and over and over, and over again dolls signs beer signs yeah this and the, yeah there was some really cool stuff. There was some metal signs that were over mm-hmm. by you guys that were pretty neat. There was one that I wanted for for my backyard, uh, but like or the Sasquatch that I got. I mean, those places you never know what you're gonna find. Right, you really don't know. And, and then stuff. there's some sometimes it's like the same thing over and over again. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I go in this barn, it's the same stuff as in this barn, and the same stuff in that basement. Which I swear is to cool. God, if I see another glass boot, I'm gonna kick somebody. Or <laughs> like the fact that like. Like it just some of the stuff just looks like someone just went and bought stuff and then or held on to it for a year. They're just clearing out their house. It's crazy, right? Uh-huh. And it, but it's antiques. Uh, so it was, you guys did kind of stick out. There's another guy that was selling uh, hand carved walking sticks and stuff too. He had some really oh, cool we ones. Met him, yeah, yeah, some really cool. cool ones with different like crazy woods and stuff. Um, that that was cool. But there wasn't too much of someone like like you that was creating your own stuff trying to sell it. It's, it's Michigan though. You got like in the early spring, you got to judge. Okay, how many people are going to come out? What's the weather going to be like? Very unpredictable for April right. and May. Yeah. What so, are they going to be looking for? What are they going to be looking right. for? It's all a gamble. But the thing with Davisburg is it's a very cheap show to get into. It, it? It's, it's it's huge. It's cheap. It's it, a good way dude, to start it, the year. The it's day that I came and some... seen you guys, like, there was one point when the weather broke and it got nicer out where it was like that main concourse was just jam-packed with mm-hmm. people. It was crazy. Oh, there were a lot of people that showed up for that festival. It was great because yeah, we got to do a lot of networking, meet a lot of people. Right. It's a good way to start the year so you can kind of like, okay, well, here we are. You've met us, so let's see what we can do. And if you want some customs, and we did get some custom orders out of it as well. So we got to have some fun with it. And it wasn't a complete waste of time. So, I mean, we made our table back. We got a few bucks on the side. There, there you and go. We, like, that, and that's great. Yeah. Networking for that, it. that first day, we made our table. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, everything after but, this uh, is cool. you know. But it was like three people selling stuff there. Yeah, coming up in know? a couple of weeks, we have uh, the Peace Fest uh, Music Festival in uh, Waterford, which is a two-day event over okay. the uh, 7th and 8th. 8th and 9th. 8th and 9th of June in Waterford up on Dixie High. Highway and um, okay, and uh, Andersonville there, and we'll be there blowing glass live, and doing all, so do the, we'll the live. all the regular fair, and you can even show up there. You'll see me with my torch and my whole setup. I'll be doing it live, show, doing custom work for people, or just doing whatever I feel like at the time. 
this depends on how it goes, but it's a really good one for us. It's local. The people who already know me know me, and right. I get a lot of good sales out of there for it. Plus, we get to network and introduce all the new people, and it's, it's great because you get to meet so many new people at these places, this especially Peace Fest. In this particular festival, it's known for the fact that a lot of booths with a lot of artists are going to be there. Some artists travel as far as literally across the state just to come to this festival. Right. Okay. Because this is a teeny little cafe in Waterford. People who love art are going to be coming right. to that festival. So it's mainly around handmade, handcrafted. But again, you have the shows where it's antique, where people yeah. who are coming out, they're not looking for new stuff. They're no. not looking for art. They're looking for antique stuff. Right. You also have shows that are like high school shows or... Um, do you ever do, do, you ever do like, uh, try to do any of this, like the city shows? So like one that's, that's over here on this side of town is like uh, did, um, Sterling Faster, Troy Days. Old Mill Festival, what, a couple of years ago back in Utica. We've also done the Birmingham Winter Market where we did the okay. tree lighting festival and we had a light oh, okay. blowing set in front of the tree. What about like and the Peach Festival or... Uh, we're trying to get into a couple of those as well. It's, it's, it's an avenue I want to explore because it's kind of like in between what where Davisburg was. Well, it's not quite our scene as far as right. the products we're selling, but I know we can get again with a lot of the people in the networking we can do, but it's... I, I'm not sure if we can bet the sales on it just away. Right, so right. it's more research. Well, and everything, required. right? Everything for you is that cost risk kind mm -hmm. of thing, right? Like, okay, can I take the risk to do this? Where I could be spending that time making pieces exactly. that I could sell and do this, or am I going to go take this chance to network? Maybe get a custom, a couple custom orders, that kind of situation. I, I get We've that. Had a couple shows like that too, where it's like, oh my god, I'm ready to bail on this mother because <laughs> oh my god, I could, I could be sitting in my studio making another 500 right, bucks worth right. of product instead of sitting here twiddling my thumbs hoping Jeez. that some soccer mom's going to come by and buy my stuff. Now, and how, the only people who are making do the, sales are Tupperware people. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we started off doing some of these mom and pop shows, and we'd get these snooty old ladies who'd walk by our fucking table. They'd see, oh, I had these little bullet-shaped keychains. I used the uh, spent brass from my gun, right. and I'd take a little okay. piece of glass, I'd reshape it into a bullet, right. and I'd fit it in there. Oh, okay. So it'd be a little keychain or a fucking necklace you could wear, but it's a bullet with a colorful little tip on it. Well, some of these snooty old ladies would walk by our booth at these uh, mom and pop sales at high schools, and they would be like, "Oh, this is cool! This is cool! This is cool!" A bullet, mm -mm, turn their nose up and walk away as fast as they could. Oh, I, I thought, it, I thought it would be the pipes that. that would cause them. Well, we often didn't bring our pipes out on those <laughs> right. because, again, there's kids and it's real soccer mommy, and it's like, okay, gotcha. well, it's not going to be quite my avenue, but we know she's going to do really right good there. Exactly. But well, it's kind of cool because you have that double stuff, dynamic. Can, it's like, okay, well, this is going to be your show. And you got to think yep. though, some right. of that edgier stuff I do is going to draw right. away yeah. some people. People that may potentially buy from us so you got again you got to cost and think about what the show is going to bring what you can bring to the show and are you going to make out or is it going to be kind of something you're just going to lose right. on? wow it's crazy a now goes into so this. now I, we've seen i've seen pictures or and in person your work mixed with hers mm -hmm. have you ever done her work mixed with yours yes we have so like some wire wrap pieces or something, yep. you know, obviously not where there's going to be a I high amount of heat. There's a couple down there you can scroll through. There's a couple bongs where she did a wire wrapped net. There's a couple ones at the top as well that have some heads and cans that we did. Uh, she did a Guns N' Roses style wrap on one and a motherboard style wrap on another one. And then there's also um, these little glass swords. These little glass swords I make. Yes, she yeah, can either, I've seen uh, the swords, yeah. She'll either leather wrap it or uh, stick some cotton cord, some glow cord, and she'll wrap up on those. That way we can really accent on the glass with her little touch to it. And see, like, even those little peace signs right there. She can take a little wire to it, oh, okay. add a couple little stars or right, highlights, right, okay. and put some beads on it. And this piece is awesome. 
Oh, that was the one piece that got stolen from us. Our entire oh, career. No. Our entire career doing That's this gorgeous. shit. That's gorgeous. Our entire career doing this shit. We've only had one piece stolen from us. And oh, was stolen piece? piece? Wow. Yep. That was that one damn piece you're looking at right there. That's the only one that's been stolen from us. And we actually managed to get a good hefty amount of karma come back f- to us from that. Wow, this loss, one's so. cool, too. Wow. Yeah, so that's why I was curious, you know, because you see, like, your glass and, and mm-hmm. her wire pieces. So that's that's a cool mixture of the two. You know, mm-hmm. offer up some unique ones. Mm-hmm. How much of your work is, is custom? For Like, how often do you get a custom order? And what's the craziest custom piece mm-hmm. both of you, either of you, have been asked to make? I've been asked to make some crazy shit and nothing I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> but, I mean, we've done some weird stuff I together I like these tree well. ones, the trees with the roots. Those are really cool. The I'm, Tree of Lives have been a very popular product of mine, especially over uh, cut, cut stones oh, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, like this. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that mushroom bong just below that one there. That's got a poison ivy wrap that she did on the side of it. You can see the wire oh, run yeah, up right with the little, little gemstones that run yeah. in between the mushrooms. That's cool. That's really cool. And that's a honeybee rig down there as well. She got a honeycomb wrap that we did for it. Uh, those, those are really cool. Now, obviously, like the glass blowing pipes and stuff are like kind of a natural thing, right? Mm-hmm. Have you, do you ever get into anything else outside of that? Like any other pieces? Pipes or just are like, just, to an end. Just at any artistic shit. You ever just get like an itch and you're just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make some fucking crazy statue or something. There's something right now I got in the works out. I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to do um, a lamp set right now. I got all this plate glass that I have left over from when I worked at a factory. And I did all sorts of windows and mirrors and tables and shower doors as their custom glass cutter on a Levati machine. Well, I also saved a lot of the scrap glass from that, and I've got all these big plates of glass that I don't really know what to do with yet, but I'm kind of coming up with these little lantern-style lights I want to do for hanging. There's also some wind chimes I've been doing here and there. I, I met a lady, some catchers. I met a lady one time on my adventures as a delivery van, and she made, she took sheets of glass, and she would take like um, a clay you know, a, like a hardened clay mask or something that's been yeah. already been fired in a kiln, and she would put it in the kiln and balance the glass on top of it and fire it. And the it glass slump. would melt over the mask, and then it would be like a glass mask. And she would do different <sighs> colored pieces and get them to balance, and then they would just melt over the mask or whatever she was trying that to is do. A cool idea. It was really sweet. Some other things I want to do is like inlaid bar tables and all that. There's a big yeah. old piece of glass I have. It's bigger than this table your computer's sitting on. It's just a gigantic fucking curved banana. I got these holes punched in it from the CNC machine. It's ready to mount on something. I just need to build like a <laughs> desk or a bar or something that I need to put it on there. I want to find a piece of wood that's got a nice chunk out of it I could router through and then inlay this piece into. And like, oh, so many little ideas I want to do. I mean, just sometimes it's a matter of equipment that I don't have or just the time. The time, or- yeah. Sometimes because I, obviously, like for this to be, like you be said, financial. no more, no more man jobs. This is the paying the bills thing. Mm-hmm. You got to put in that work for the. I got again hedge. Okay, I got this product line that I make money on, but am I gonna set that aside for a day or two so I can work on some little right. crazy idea that may or may not come together or make me money money at all, or may just turn into a gift? Who the fuck knows? Right. Do I want to do that, or just want to continue my grind and keep doing what I know how to do best? Now, is it are you guys daily working on this stuff? Like, are you Every filling are you filling orders like pretty consistently, or the, the custom orders they come in either it's like comes in waves or it's very sparse, or, or even just the like the the commercial like 
pumping them out to go sell them. I mean, we're working every day. Yeah. Either you're making customs or you're making production pieces for future shows Sometimes or you're, you're out balancing. there selling yeah. them. Yeah. In fact, I have to yell at him to take a day off uh-huh. here and there. <laughs> I thought you were about to say you got to yell at him today for something. I was like, whoa. Oh, no, well, she's no, already yelling at me today for something. Well, we'll leave that aside. Play but... a video game. <laughs> hey, hey, I was no, there's playing literally video times she tells everybody me, showed up. do not go in the garage today. Sit your ass down on the couch. Play a fucking video game. Go talk oh, to your friends. Go do something. Because you work too goddamn much, and I'm like, but this is my dream. I gotta he fucking bust my ass to achieve good. what I fucking wanted to get to. But at the same time, I'm starting to recognize that I can't overexhaust myself yeah. because well, I might you burn out. Up, I'll burn out, or I'll wind up like the dude who fucking got his face blown up with the fucking bong hit, or his I'll, glass I'll, melted I'll, to his chest. Exactly, because I'll, I'll suddenly start lapsing in my judgment and forget to turn off this valve or something, and all of a sudden I got a gas leak. Yeah. So you, sometimes you got to put in the rest and relaxation and take a break and be like, okay. But sometimes when you're also taking that break, holy shit, my, my wheels are turning. That's when you get like, I'm another idea. I'm starting ideas. Right. Holy crap, I want to get out there and do it, but she won't let me go out there, so I'm going to start sitting there and stew on this idea until I fucking get it completely melted in my head, and, and then, then I go the, out and then tomorrow, then, and I'm busted like, out. What the fuck be, was it? Mm-hmm. And then I forget about it. Yep. And then you forget, what the fuck was I going to do? That was a $10,000 fucking idea. That's why you got a pencil. Sketch it down. Hey, my last $10,000 idea I sketched down immediately. You saw that. How do you do that? How do you put glass in glass? like Cups. Think cups? Of a, think of a cup. Look at that cup right there. You see how it's sealed on one bottom? Right. And it's open on the other. So from that cup, you would have a rod. On the bottom, right. so you can hold Attached on to it. it. So you can hold it. So you can hold it. This piece is nice and hot. You then have, like, say, your artistic bee or the heads in a can. Like, I've got some zombies that I put in heads in these little cans and shit. You then take that little mounted piece, ready to go. It's got a little seal ready to open up and go and melt onto the wall of the piece. You've got a little hole you pop on the one side, and you then insert your piece inside of here without touching any walls. If it touches, if you the touch, walls, it's going to adhere, tags. right? It's, it's going to adhere and tag, and it's going to create a stress point. And 90% of the time, that kind of little itty-bitty tag can't be welded off or fixed just right. It's going to break. Oh, damn. So you got to bring it in just right. <laughs> you got to bring it in hot, and if it does touch, it will adhere. And you got to get in just right. you got to do a seal, weld it on from the outside, weld it in from the inside, and then you got to go in, you got to do a third seal on that seal wow. you've already sealed and to make it a triple seal. So you've got an incredibly thick wad of glass right on the edge here that you're trying to thin out and get to the even little spots. And adhering stuff inside of glass is incredibly difficult. And it's kind of one of the new hype things to do nowadays. Where yeah, a lot I've of people, seen a lot the, the of pieces like for that. these are Oh, yeah, they're crazy, too. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of, like, stuff inside of stuff inside of stuff, and it's like, holy crap, unless, how are you doing that? Unless you started off in a studio with, like, ten other glass blowers who were doing strictly that, and you're watching them and trying that own work, it, it, you're not going to be able to pull that off within your first year or several years, I mean. Like, if you're like me, where you just kind of bebop around and experiment, and this and that looks good, I like that one right there. It just looks like garbage to me compared to... What I pulled off later on. I mean, I love the wire wrap. The wire wrap alone on that piece is worth more than that fucking bong. Is it, do, you, do you do that a lot? You guys go back and look at like your earlier pieces you and be like, oh, no, I fucking I idea. What I was that. I fucking thinking? Are you kidding me? I thought that was cool a year ago, and I'm yeah. like, dude, I wouldn't even fucking buy that. What was I thinking? Well, like that wolf I showed you. I was like, it was funny. We're at the at the at Davisburg, and I just kept staring at that wolf. And she's my girlfriend's like, you're ridiculous over there. Just I'm like, I can't believe I made that. Like, it, I'm pretty impressed at how good that looked. So I, I get it, but then there's other well, things. If you go that over we... to my Instagram page, there's a Sherlock I pulled off the other day that I'm incredibly proud of. And if you can so notice, that's cool. this is the one right that's in the cool. middle, though. If you notice what's cool about that one, 
Oh, no way. It goes through itself. Yes, wow. it does. That's a fucking penetrating donut right there. Wow, that does look cool. Yeah, that, I had to form a donut, get the donut, the inner <laughs> walls of that donut just right without tagging either the inside or the outside yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. I then had to create a diameter tube with a hook on the end wide enough to go through there without contacting and right. then weld it in from the bottom. And then keep it from uh, tagging out itself. And I had some divot that I had to fight on it as well, which gave me a real scare Jeez. because if that that mouthpiece tags on either side of the donut, again, it's going to adhere right. and you're going to lose your piece. So, wow. And then all these are just, just adding on bubbles just at the end. Tap right? little, just tapping little yeah, things. Yeah, little accents. You can see there's even a little opal on there in the very top. It's kind of hard to see, but it's a little like opal right gemstone there, inside sorry. of there. Yeah. Okay. And that kind of goes into the other stuff that you can play with that's not glass. That can be encased into glass. But right. again, it has to go back to the coefficient of expansion thing this I mentioned earlier. This guy's got boogers coming out of his nose. Yeah, it's my booger homie. Blind in one eye, and he's got boogers coming Whoa. out of his mouth and lip. <laughs> it's that one's bizarre. Yeah, he's just about like a little inch-long uh, bubble cap for your rig there. Yeah. There's Marvin yeah. the Martian. I, uh, did, I did you engrave that? I engraved that with a Dremel onto okay. one of my knife blade pipes. All yeah. right. So, you, so you're even mixing it up with that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's cold work and hot work. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's a hundred different I, things you can have do. You the ever glass done that? Have you ever dremeled and fucked it up? Yes, it's very, <laughs> very easy to do. I got my I got my start on that with a glass factory. Fucking every time I had to do a shower door, I had to engrave a fucking serial number into a corner of it. So I kind of got my my control with a dremel right. down with those, having to write numbers out over and over and over again on them. But every once in a while, it can get away from you because it's spinning in one direction and the glass is smooth. And if you don't get it in, to sink it into the glass just right, and you don't want to sink it in too far because your glass isn't that thick, you know, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's anywhere from like a sixteenth of an inch to is it three way, sixteenths. Is it way less easier to fuck something up for you? <laughs> yes and no. You know, yes and no, because it, it seems like everywhere he has a problem, my solutions are super easy, but all of my problems... If he had the same problems in glass, his solutions would be easy. The parallels between wire wrapping and glass blowing, the pros and cons and problems that we have are unbelievably remarkably similar. Despite being completely different realms of work. I work with flames and heat and she works with cold stuff. So, but a lot of the problems we run into honestly have the same solution or there's an inverse to it that, well, one would be solved this way or that way, but you'd have to do it this way or that way with glass, but you can still achieve the same effect at the end. So it's unbelievable. Wow, how do you how do you do the honeycomb thing? Like, how did you do that? Uh, that one starts off with a plain, either clear, black, or cobalt colored tubing. I then blow a shit ton of silver and gold onto it. Like, I'll just take a little rod of glass. I'll get a little bead of uh, silver or gold, probably about the size of a pinhead, and you just sit there and you start blowing it, teasing it in the flame, and little puffs of the silver will shoot out again. You cascade it onto the glass, bake it in, and then I take another rod. I mean. A long one for those pieces. And you just sit there and boom, boom, stab it, stab it, stab it. Leave dot after dot after dot after dot after dot all the way around it. And you fucking keep them all even. And you try to balance them back and forth. Every two dots you have here, you got one on top right in between them. And you just go through the rounds all the way around. When it comes through at the end, it starts looking like this spiky maze you can just beat somebody down with from medieval (laughs) times, right? Okay, so then you hear another rod to it, you stick it in your big-ass flame as big as your arm, and you melt all that shit in, try to avoid it from popping, snapping, and cracking on you. If you can manage to keep it all alive, you can smooth it out, it makes this nice lizard skin pattern. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. gorgeous, but again, a lot of work goes into it. The Encalmo work, the half-and-half pieces like that one, that's not just a straight-up blown pipe. I've had to flip and switch the axis on that one a little bit. Wow. Jeez. 
That's crazy. Like I'm. There's a few set techniques, but it's how you apply those techniques that changes amongst glass. Who glow in the dark? Is that like a? Is that a big trend or? It's a hype thing. It was pretty thing. hot back in 2011, 2012. Then UV colors became popular from like 2013 to 2016, and nowadays it's all about CFL, which is lightly color shifting glass depending on if you're in sunlight or CFL light or okay. LED light. The glass will be a slightly different color. Do you see any kind of changes in trends for you, like techniques or something? Like, is it? Do you see any kind of thing like that where it's like, oh, this is like the the hot new jewelry thing that maybe applies to wire wrapping? Wire wrapping, it seems to be pretty uh, steady, and um, I guess that's where a lot of problems with making your own original design come from is you have so many people who are trying to create pieces that are absolutely gorgeous. They take forever to make. They, they have a lot of crystals in them. But because everybody tries to create the same That's style, cool. these pieces, artist to artist, sometimes you can't tell that it's a different artist. They just right. all blend in. So you kind of have to stay on the edge of it to create your own technique, to create your own designs that stand out. But you don't want to <laughs> get too far from there either because there's a certain thing that a wire wrapping uh, consumer looking for. So you have to stay within that old adhere design while still creating right. something new, something that nobody else has <laughs> created before, and that's kind of the goal of wire wrapping. Do you, do you feel like... Uh there's like a need to almost make it as intricate as possible to stand out. Like, you know, if you see something that's like just a couple simple bends or something, but it still looks elegant and looks nice, but it's just like, oh, that's something little. Or do you find yourself like trying to do more and more and more to stand out more? Um, and honestly, it all depends. And the more I see artists nowadays, the more I see of that exact thing as so many people try to fit in so much in their pieces that they do forget that negative space sometimes look okay. good. Okay. It's too busy if you right. start putting too yeah, much you into don't it. Have so it's to overkill. overload mm, the piece. You have to balance it between the simplicity and the detail. Because once you go too far on one spectrum or the other, the piece just doesn't quite look right anymore. How much does weight play into that? So like if you're obviously if you're making earrings or even a pendant like mm -hmm. can feel too heavy mm -hmm. you know uh, people that wear giant ones i don't understand but like how much does that play into when you're designing or making a piece like is that something that you're consciously thinking about or like the materials you're using or is it just kind of like i'm just gonna make it? i think it honestly depends from the artist and the public that the artist is trying to reach because i see a lot of wire wrapping artists who do try to create this huge gaudy pieces and they do sell for as much as they charge them for because that's the public they're looking right. for but if you're looking to reach an everyday person, they don't want that gaudy thing, nor they can afford it. So you start playing with the negative space, because the more negative space your piece has, the cheaper it can be. And then you also got to assume that majority of your customers are going to be wearing this day to day. So this gaudy giant piece might not exactly fit their needs. So you want to go a little bit smaller, a little bit less extravagant simply because it's an everyday piece it's not a piece that they're going to wear once or twice for a festival and then forget right. about their its existence because they can't even wear it to work 
You want to keep it simple enough to where no matter what the occasion is, your customer feels like they can put, they can it, put on it on and fit into that occasion. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that with like something that's like super crazy, ornate, and, and gaudy to a point where that's like it's only worn in certain situations. Yeah, these pieces yeah. look great, but you need an evening gown to wear this. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Now, for you, Justin, how. And we briefly mentioned it outside, but how has the the shift in uh, recreational marijuana laws in Michigan, how has that affected your business? So what was it like before? What was it like? Be- Were you in business doing the glass blowing before the medicinal marijuana? No, was it? No, no. Okay. I was post medicinal marijuana. That was 2008 law with Michigan. I got into the head shop business button back in 20, 2011, 2012. Okay. I started with the pipes. But uh, for the years previous, I mean, like I said, my mother was a medical marijuana patient, still is. I'm a medical marijuana patient myself because of my back. But um, we tried to keep a, a head shop going where we could get find affordable access to pieces and right. atmosphere where people aren't going to be wugged out like, oh, look at this long t- music. And so that's your interesting. Older people you, aren't see try to come it, in. you see the perspective from the other side, too, as the shop owner with people trying to sell you pieces. Mm-hmm. So you've got the view I've of both sides. I've got a double-edged sides, sword right. there. I've also been in the industry with so many different angles and different facets. I mean, like I said, I've even done windows, tables, and shower doors. I could tell you this from every little angle, even from a businessman's perspective. But what what, what makes makes sense with making it with glass? What's taking too long? What's going to be an effective right. piece? Is it worth my time? Again, it comes into that, but yeah, it is what it is. So with the recreational, though, has, has that caused an uptick in business? or A little bit. People are a lot less afraid to approach you. On top of that, say like at a festival, I'm more open to, uh, we'll say like Peace Fest last year, we did a closed tent where I did 18 plus only, you got to show me your ID to come in to even look at the bulls. Right. This year, I'm planning, I'm just spread them out, lay them open. Yeah, if you're going to buy one, I'm going to check your They're ID and make sure you're not a minor. now all the time. Exactly, because it's, 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 the stigma has been released. People are now becoming okay with it because every day they see something medical marijuana related, or not even just recreationally marijuana-related. Yeah. They go from this from billboards. You go down to 8 Mile, you can't go down 8 Mile without seeing some sign oh, or another without yeah, a dispensary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like a row of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, the, I stig- it it's the stigma. Girlfriend. The stigma like, has been lifted, so it makes it a little more easier for me to <laughs> right. get my my way in, weasel my way into a market so so it's it's positive it's positive would you say for your business the the rise of uh of the the vape pens and vaporizers in general would you say that those have made an impact on your business where people yes. are That's staying been a negative staying away from yes. i'm sorry I support both. <laughs> I have a no, glass, it's I have a, a glass piece stash. It's been but then a I have very this. negative a, thing for me as far as uh, sales go. A couple shops, even when I called last week, he uh, used to buy a crap ton of glass from me. But the past year or so, he's been switching mainly primarily to vapes because that's where most of his money's been coming from. Right. And that's what's been in demand. It, well, I yeah. personally see it as a fad. Yes, it's going to help people in the long run quit smoking, or it's going to be a quick little cheap, non-smelly way to get your nicotine in. I see. I'm, I'm proud of that. I like that. Well, Go for it. But when it comes to like all the teenagers getting all their jewel pens and they're getting stuck well, on these damn what things. What I'm using, I mean, that is just a, a dryer herb, vape. Yeah, dryer dryer vape. And the only reason like for that is. Just ease of use, and, exactly. and, the, and the, the odor is less. The, that's where uh, it comes I mean, into. If it's good for stashed. you, go for yeah. it. I condone it. Go for it. I'm not saying poo-poo on vapes that they're bad things, but 
with this uptake and rise of the youth where they're yeah. constantly going into gas stations and getting their jewel pens and they buy one every damn week and they're sucking them down before the batteries even fucking worn out and they're out of e-juice and they're going on to get their next fix, I think it's going to be a fad in the long yeah. run. So a lot of their money is coming from these well, kids of, who are buying There's a lot crap. of studies now. I mean, they Heavy haven't, metals and they haven't had them shit. around long enough to, to actually get Popcorn good studies and, and stuff, and, but they're yeah. starting to pop up where they're like, whoa, it's having, you know, yeah, it might not be the same things that are in cigarette smoke, but there's mm. other things also, equally yeah, like, dangerous. where's your juice coming from? Is it an yeah. import from China? Look, what, what crap did they look. pump into that? Is it the K2 scare again with the spice weed? Like, what's going on with this stuff? Be the well, next thalidomide. Well, exactly. what, what's crazy with that is, like, once those, those vape pens, like, when people were buying the crazy batteries and blowing all this, like, there was... All these vape companies, the liquids just popped up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what are you, what are you, what is this? Some people were distilling them and doing them in the garage because it's simply it's just a nicotine flavor and flavor like juice glycerin and glycerin or mix. Yeah, glycerin, people yeah. can sit there with a couple of jugs and mix the shit in the garage and then sell fucking a hundred bucks worth of it to a yeah. store or whatever. They but just put in some They haven't simple... tested it, this or no, that. But right. at the same time, it was just a little hobby thing. But then eventually it grew and now they're making these companies and some of these people started making enough money to get big companies going. And. Now they're starting to pump out this e-juice, and now it's becoming so saturated within the market. Which brand is which? And all the crap, there's fucking ten different brands every week. And yeah. Where are they all coming from? What Jewel do they seems all to be the of? one that's gonna that's outlasting the other ones that showed it's up. Their I know some of this. It's their marketing. Some of the cigarette companies started their own ones too. I don't think like back in 2008 when Obama uh, fucking got rid of all the flavored cigarettes and cloves and yeah. all that shit, and became a lot harder to get that shit. It's again. I think it's because Jewel is marketing more towards the youth, the eighteen to twenty-five yeah. crowd. They well, want there that. was like a big thing they're where colorful, like some of the stores simple, are they're small. They fit in your your little purse pocket for the girls. And I mean, yeah. it's easy. I think weren't they changing it to where you can only get the tobacco flavors at stores, and then like any of the like flavored ones, you have to go on the website mm-hmm. to order. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> crazy. It was all times. to keep kids from getting to that shit. Yeah. So I mean, shoot everybody in the foot just to keep a few away from it. But. <laughs> It's again, that's again why I say Jewel is kind of doing so well what they're doing is they're marketing towards the right crowd for them. Where do you see, uh, how do you see this, the, the medical, or not the medical, I mean the recreational uh, marijuana use, how do you see that playing out in the future? Like, do you do you think it's going to be just a short time before, like, nationally, like, federally it's legal? I, I read an interesting article. Federally, I believe it will be, I believe. So this is the first Memorial Day where in, in Michigan with the recreational. Uh, and it's funny because Lake Sinclair is considered that's federal. It's national because park. because it's a great lake that's national waters where the inland lakes are Michigan lakes. So they were saying the same rules as like alcohol. Well, like even the- they're treating cabins on boats as your private property where you can smoke so like if you go below deck you can smoke but like if you're out and someone can see you then that's public and then, mm-hmm. then you can get in trouble but they well, said same thing with county parks too i mean a, a range dnr range is still going to stop you and give you some trouble because you're smoking in a national park yeah and the federal level it's still illegal but right. i've also again yeah, heard lots of lots of little uh, news articles and this and that the trump and congress are playing with the idea of legalizing it federally across the board i'm not entirely sure on where it's going with that i haven't done all my research on it but yeah. i've been seeing some positive notes towards it do you do you think that uh, if that were to happen, if it were to go federally legal, do you think that like big tobacco would just cut like half their crops down? And I be like, want to see it in the hands of the people. I kind of like the I, I kind of like the framework <laughs> Michigan chose because it allows the average person to grow plants within their own backyard. Right. It kind of gives the power to the people, but at the same time, it's still got limits on it for each yeah. individual person. But at the same time, if you're a community and you're all keeping it going, everyone's going to be happy. 
But at the same time, they built the framework to allow for Big Pharma and the tobacco companies to get their big corporate steely claw hands into it. There's a couple rules where if you're transporting medical marijuana weed or what have you to the dispensary, you're going to need like a Garda armored truck yeah. to move that son of a bitch. I mean, that's going to cost you an unbelievable amount well, just, just to move I, it. I was looking into the... Uh, Everything is seed to sale. It's the medicinal... Be... Um, commercial grow license it's like six thousand dollars for the application or something yes. like like the just to apply or whatever or the, the licensing fee or something if yeah. you were to open a dispensary it's 50 grand out of yeah. your pocket that's crazy you got to have somebody backing you right that. Yeah. so each time you look at a dispensary who's backing it if you looked along eight mile there's a couple questionable ones yeah <laughs> it is what it is it, it, it's it's just crazy well but then also ones north of eight mile have some have been able to to do all right, but other mm-hmm. ones have like popped up and just been well, in Logan gone. County. It's been taboo. There's one yeah. I've heard recently that's in Wixom or what have you that's nearby, but everything they have is like three hundred fifty four hundred dollar ounces. Holy crap, it's unbelievable. Well, and that's and like then, that's the other problem, right? Like the premium price, and that's why I think like if it became federally legal, that the big tobacco companies would just cut half their crops down. Start going because they already have the money. They already have the technology. I mean, they've been and growing. You know, stuff they for have forever. the branding and everything they, they ready have to go. Everything right. They have the the the, the facilities to to roll the the pre rolled cigarettes. Like everything, they've got all that to just unleash it. But now, I guess. So what is one of the things that they did, like, in California? There's a difference between the medicinal grade and then the recreational mm-hmm. grade, right? Like, like, like literally, limits, they, got, yes. they can't even be sold in the same place. They exactly. have to be separated by a wall or something. It's just like pain medication. You have stuff that is Over prescribed the counter, by a doctor right. and stuff that is a lot weaker that you can buy yourself. And I think, honestly, with the whole legalization, you're going to see the same exact result as any other controlled substance. Because just like alcohol, because it's legal doesn't mean that you can be walking down the street, street. opening, uh, drinking right. an open can of alcohol. You have to keep it concealed. Yeah. And so with pot, you do the same thing. Is yeah, you can do it legally now, but if you do it while you're driving, if you do it out in a kid's playground or by the school, you're still going to see consequences yeah. because right. it is not an okay place to do it. But you will see more places popping up like bars where it's okay to go yeah, in there. I was, I was wondering they, if they, that's like, you know, you get the cigar lounge. Like, that's that's coming, right? providing the safe space to medicate right. within. Yeah. And again, for the next five years, your medical marijuana patients are still winning over your recreational. Right. I mean, recreational or places where you can buy recreational don't even exist until 2020, 2021. Yeah. So... No, the, I, I thought the that too, like the, the lounges, like you see the hookah lounges or the cigar bars. Mm-hmm. The cigar bars are less... They're not as round as much anymore. No. The hookahs have definitely sprung up. Um, I could totally see smoke lounges just popping up. We already you can just have a smoke. few in this area. Is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I figured those would definitely be something that's going to kind of take off a little bit. So yeah, you're going to see more and more of it appearing publicly, but it's still going to be, has the same stigma as legal brain-altering right. chemicals <laughs> like alcohol. Do you see, Was I think it was, was it Washington? Another state was looking at decriminalizing or legalizing mushrooms. Colorado. Was it Colorado? I believe that has passed yeah. as well. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a little it's crazy. absolutely crazy. Like... That's okay, old. so we've got it's been it's been insane doing the framework for Michigan's medical marijuana program, but here we are doing with the with the drug that literally does change your perception of things. But oh man, there's been so many so many things that I've read recently talking about like 
like uh, well, there was one like microdosing LSD mm-hmm. can actually re configure like for people that suffer from depression and stuff can like almost reset it so that most of that stuff just goes away just after like a a, a session or like a a cap it was microdosing but just like a like a schedule a regimen of doing it and after mm-hmm. a certain point it's like your depression everything gone i mean obviously in the early stages all that but there's i read there was like probably a, a this app i have on my phone that i get news stories there was an influx of articles last month that was just all about mushrooms like how they're looking in this and they're finding that it can do this and do you think that the the medical marijuana really opened those floodgates because i mean it was mm-hmm. pretty impressive right when you're seeing like oh this kid it, that has like a thousand seizures a day it, and can't it, live a life and then now they're taking cbd that, and they're that okay the more holistic or methods better. have an actual purpose beyond just these incredible opioids where people are just overdosing and then becoming problematic and then becoming right. a drain on society Yeah, it opened the research to actually look at these things as in a positive light instead of just damning them and saying, no, because it's a controlled substance, we won't even look at it. Right. Instead, now it's becoming reclassified. People are looking at it with a different light and going, hey, what if it does this and this and this? And holy crap, if I treat myself like this is a little microdose, I can definitely get through my day a lot better and everything seems a little bit brighter and happier. It makes people better. Have you you guys found it being associated with that? Through the glass blowing, and uh, have you have you in being part of like festivals and like you know artsy or hippie ish, right? Do you have you found that like to be kind of counterproductive for you in your regular lives or like pursuing other careers or working for them? <laughs> Yeah, I do the occasional shroom trip. I like having at least one a year. It's fun. But it I mean, keeps do, a perspective do you, opening. Do you but... see like the 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 judgment because <clears throat> of being in that industry? I mean, for a long time, like potheads, you know, look down on. And when it's realistically, it's you know, businessmen are smoking just as much as Overall, the stoner like... kid down the street. Like. Overall, with our like our fares and shit, that's never really been that big no. a deal. No, but say like the dude who we got in an accident with last week, the first thing he shouted at me was, "Oh, look at you! I guarantee you have pot on you, motherfucker!" Like <laughs> you look at that shit, like well, you, do, you look at the stigma. Yeah, you look at me. I got long right, hair, right, beard. Yeah. I'm wearing a filthy hippie t-shirt. Right. I got pins in my head. Literally, you your look shirt at says me, the filthy hippie. Exactly. <laughs> so you look at me and it's like, yeah, this dude fucking smokes. There's no fucking way. Right. Like. <laughs> But no, the stigma is with marijuana has never been that much of a counter factor against us. It's always actually kind of worked in our favor because it actually. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the crowds that we are trying to reach right. tend to be more on the positive side right. of marijuana. Again, when I say when I make pipes, I do mean them as a mean to an end. I eventually want to get into larger sculptures and chandeliers. I mean, right. Jahuli was my biggest influence as a glass blower, and you look at some of his work; it's monstrous. He fills up entire parks with his glass work, and that's where I want to get to one day. But the best way for me to get into where I'm at right now is through pipes, and, and that's through the medical marijuana industry. And while I do like pot myself, it's, it's again, it's a means to an end. Right, it. yeah. But at the same time, uh, he says it's not much of an effect. I kind of see a little bit of effect from my point. Is, uh, ever Maybe since I've got those color goggles on. Ever since I started working right. with him and added that part of the business to mine, now my family at, and people you know, mm-hmm. they... Now you're open with it, and now they're making assumptions right. to a point where um, just another, the other month we were out in Ann Arbor at the Hash Bash. Yeah. And because me and him were going to uh, sell our stuff there, and my little sister, who is still in high school, was going with her theater group completely separate. 
But she wanted, she sent me a text message, wanted to know if the parking was any different so their theater group can have enough money to come okay. and actually park their cars. Literally five minutes after uh, my little sister texts me, I have a phone call from my stepdad. Hey, by the way, don't you even think about smoking with my daughter. Well, why would you assume that? All I did was suggested a parking right. space. I was would never consider of turning any <coughs> minor onto this stuff, including my sister. Right. But because I work within that industry, I'm automatically assumed like I'm going to convert people to my industry and convert people into using my product, right. even if they weren't before. Where is for you is a little different because your mother was already. Was growing, well, while I was growing up, my grandmother was super against it. I mean, we would go on horseback rides. She'd see a pot plant on a trail. She'd fucking rip the thing out of the ground and shred it. She fucking hated it, right? So my mother gets into this accident in 2002 that nearly takes her life, and we've had to do years of physical therapy to get it back to where she is. And after, like, say, fentanyl patches, and there was a recall, and she got dosed massively with fentanyl opioids, medical marijuana became the go-to thing for her. It relieves her pain. It keeps her functional. Right. It allows her to get through her day without having to get completely yeah. fucking whacked out of your mind on opiates just to fucking function. So having seen that and the recovery I did with my mother and her brain function and memory started to, you know, improve again with the marijuana treatments, my grandmother started to change her opinion. And it actually led to a funny thing to where she had a midlife crisis and holy crap, I forgot to be a hippie in the 60s and 70s. And now that she's <laughs> no, fucking need, 70 no, years old... <laughs> She's got hippie fucking everything in her house. <laughs> She's turned into like this guru. And oh I mean, just the other day, I mean, I, I came back to their house with a fucking bottle of CBD oil for them to see if, right. you know, if it'll help them improve their sleep or what have you. Or my grandfather's uh, fibrosis in his lungs to help him breathe a little Jeez. better. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm giving them medicine made from marijuana to a woman who 20 who years so ago it. was so against it. But, but that, isn't that just because there's such a, like, even my girlfriend, like, it, it's bizarre because she's tried it a couple times. We, we did brownies and she had a blast. But then, like, it's so ingrained in her and, her, and when she was younger that this is just this mm -hmm. horrible thing you don't do mm -hmm. that it's just like... She still, she's like pissed off at herself for doing but that. The like, in the pudding. like it's funny. Like for me and for me and her, it was like you can do that, but don't tell me. I don't want that you doing that anywhere. But you can do that. But no, now you can't. <laughs> and then like when I bought my vaporizer, like she went to the store with me, and like we went to a couple different stores, and you know, until I found one that I that I liked and was like looking at reviews and stuff. But it was just funny because then it's like, but, but I don't want that shit in the house. <laughs> The proof is in the pudding. When they actually yeah. see the evidence that the stuff is great, it's not going to kill you, and that it's going to actually benefit you, and that you're breaking literally years of this fucking McCarthyism. But that's what there is, right? There's this those red years scare and of years pot. and years. Well, I mean, it's not. It's decades of we've from the 30s. We've been yeah. engraved with misinformation, right. and because of this misinformation, two and a half are generations scared. of people have yeah. literally been indoctrinated to believe that this plant is horrible for you, yeah. and at the same time, it just does nothing but help. It's yeah. nothing but help. It's it's it is bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's real crazy. Well, we're uh, we're at an hour and a half already. Holy shit! That yeah, flew by. right. Yeah, you flew weren't by. No, I told you. Like once you get going and and you just it goes off on tangents and you start talking about stuff like it, it can you can just mm -hmm. just keep rolling. Um, but we'll wrap up again, Justin. What is your your Instagram? What do you got going on for your stuff? It's gonna be Jarek underscore Glass J Eric. It's an amalgamation of my name, Justin Eric. So J Eric underscore Glass at Instagram. 
and you can follow us through there see all my latest and greatest pipes and the new smoking materials I'm playing with. Is there any stores that you're in? Uh, you can find me in a few in Ann Arbor, say Bongs and Thongs, Wildside, Smoke Shop, they carry me. There's People's Choice and a couple other dispensaries down there that have a few of my products. Uh, almost yeah, about half of the Smokers Depot's out in Howell. There's a couple in okay. Fenton. You name it. There's a, there's, I'm cover, I got a pretty good coverage of Southeast Michigan. Sounds like it. And... And I'm Natty Oblava. You can find me at uh, Instagram page uh, at rewear underscore jewelry or uh, Etsy, uh, rewear.etsy.com for my shop. And uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And I'll make sure to put links for uh, your, your guys' stuff there um, in the, the profile for the oh, episode. Yeah. Again, uh, awesome meeting you. Thank you for coming on and, and talking about yeah, how you, you got into back this again, stuff. We're more than happy. Oh, we can talk sure. about this shit for hours. There's all and sorts of little excellent. silly anecdotes and oh, this and that. And, yeah, this is fun. Awesome. <laughs> and thank you very much for coming on. I really, really do appreciate Thanks it. Again, us. just like, you, you know, sharing your passion and your stories, how you guys got into those things. Uh, really, really enjoyed the conversation. Again, I'm JP. This is The Get Up. Uh, make sure to listen, follow, like, comment, all that stuff on Facebook at the Get Up Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Get Up Show. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I guess we're fucking done. That's the wrap. Oh, no. <laughs> and I don't even know uh, where it is. Make sure to listen on uh, <laughs> iTunes, <scrambling, laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Meltdown. Google Play Music, <laughs> uh, YouTube, everything else. But again, this is the Get Up. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Get Up. Make sure to check out thegetupshow.com for more information on this episode's guests. While you're there, check out other episodes, leave a comment, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, shoot an email to contact at thegetupshow.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and share on Facebook at The Get Up Show Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at The Get Up Show and subscribe to The Get Up YouTube channel. The Get Up is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.